sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Father, thank you for bringing us safely from all over the world. Thank you for what you have purpose to do today. If you can use anything, Lord, use this vessel this evening. I pray for a cleansing by your blood. I pray for your mercy. For it's not he that willeth, nor he that runneth, but you will show mercy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you and you alone. May I not, O oh God, play to the pleasure of men, but may I preach your unadulterated word. Let your grace fill this vessel and let the Holy Spirit have his way. Let the people of God be affected in a way that you, God, deem right. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. Thank you. You may be seated. And I want to welcome each and every one of you. And I want to congratulate you for making the effort to be here. God bless you. And may your expectation be met. Amen. <clears throat> amen. And I want to salute your Reverend Jacob Godwill, the angel on this side of Africa. As Reverend Jake was saying, when I knew him, he was in secondary school, and I was the leader of the fellowship. I never knew that one day I'll get married to somebody who would be a minister, and we would have a ministry, and that Reverend Jake would be a part of that ministry. I never knew all that. God just orchestrated it. And I used to go to his secondary school as well to minister there. And were you the school prefect or something? So like Lady Pastor Joy was saying, you know, he has this diplomatic face. <clears throat> that was even before he met his wife. So I want to salute he and his wife and all the pastors who are on this side for your years of faithfulness. Through secondary school to Lagon to after Lagon. He was an IT guy working. Yeah. In Opebia House. And then the Lord called him into full-time ministry. And he introduced his beloved to me. At that time she looked shy. She was trying to. But now she has lost all her innocence. We thank the Lord. Amen. 
I think you should put your hands together to God for bringing you here. I bring you greetings also from my husband, the bishop. Amen. Amen. I think the night is fast spent, so I'm going to be very brief. But four things that you must set in your life. Four things that you must S-E-T in your life. Colossians chapter 3. Reading from verse 1 and 2. This is a very popular piece of scripture. If you then be risen with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right-hand side of God. Set your affections, some versions say your mind, on things which are above and not on things that are on the earth. Amen. Set your affections on things that are above and not on things beneath. Amen. Amen. So the first thing you must set in your life is your affection. Now, to set means to fix, to put in a solid position so that it cannot be moved, to make firm. Sometimes you set cement, you set concrete, and then it becomes blocks. Amen. Amen. When you set something, it is not wishy-washy. It doesn't change. It stays at the same place because it is fixed to put in a permanent position. And the Bible is calling on you and I to set our affection. That presupposes that affection is not like a particular handbag that you don't have. Affection is not like a designer dress that you don't have. It's not even like daughter cloth that you don't have. And then you are always wearing yellow and black. You will never buy daughter cloth. You will never obey. You will never flow. You always have your own mind. That is not what we are talking about. When the Bible says set your affection, it presupposes that we all have affection. Even those who look unromantic. Some people, some ladies are very unromantic. <laughs> and I always say that, you know, because Bishop looks like Esaniwa. He looks like he's not romantic. But out of the two of us, he's the romantic one. And so I always tell him, I am not romantic. I am loving. But I am not romantic. I won't be the one to set a candle. Let's go and wrap this. I'll do it nicely, but... I'm just not the romantic kind. Which I am sure you are surprised to hear. That's why God is the judge and not you. We all have the capacity to have things that we are affectionate about. And as ladies, oftentimes, we are affectionate about relationships. And if you want to know where your affections lie, the Bible says that where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. So if you have a broken heart, then it means that that is where your treasure is. If something goes wrong with your relationship and it affects you so much, it is likely that that is where your affection lies. And I think that there are many challenges in life. 
But the challenge in the area of marriage and relationships, it seems to go across board. So sometimes people ask me, when you counsel, how do you know what to say? And sometimes on radio now, we, press, we play some of the question and answers. And people will be calling, how do you know? You know, a young girl called me and I said, this is your problem, one, two, three. Scripture says that this. She said, you have an answer for everything. I said, because I'm a pastor and I've been doing it for some years. And you are not the newest person on the horizon. So I mean, human experience and human problems are the same. You will be surprised to know. But the area that troubles us the most is in the area of relationships and in the area of marriage. And therefore, it is likely that that is where our affection lies. And our affections lie there because every human being has a need. You need to be appreciated. You need to be admired. You need to be loved. You need to, you know, sometimes I ask ladies, you are looking very nice. Did your husband tell you you look nice? Oh, he didn't even notice. And then I say that when it's bad, they notice. But when it's good, they take it that it's the usual. Do you understand? So when they don't speak, it means it's good. But when it's bad, they say, what is this? What have you done? You know? Last week, I was listening to an interview that James and Betty Robinson were interviewing Kweflo Dollar. And they were talking about when they first got married, some of the issues. So they asked him, what, what issue do you remember? He said, oh, when I got married, the first meal after our honeymoon, we came, my wife cooked. And I mean, in the relationship, she had not been cooking for me. So when she brought it, I asked her, what is this mess? And then she broke down, she was crying, and then he thought that, ah, but I've told you the truth, it's a mess. And the wife said, even if it's a mess, you must find a way of saying. So he said that well, now he has grown up. I said, you see this crap, like, you will not think so. When he's preaching powerfully, you don't know that when you cook, he can ask you that, what is this mess? But our affections are in the area of relationships. And I keep saying that. That is why so many women, at least in Ghana, in the mental hospital, their issues are relationships. All the counseling that I do often is relationships. Even with men, when they come, it's relationships. My wife this, my beloved that, and this one left me, and then this one that. And it's not often even financial or it's relationships. And I think that life itself revolves around relationships because God... Even our walk with him is just a relationship. His walk with Adam and Eve is a relationship. So it shows you where your affection lies. And then, also as ladies, sometimes our affections lie with our children. So you have set all your affection on this area. And then sometimes when they disappoint you. You know, a few days ago I was saying goodnight to my daughter, my little daughter. So I said, good night, whatever. She's very loving and expressive. And so she said, mommy, I want to give you a kiss. And I just went low like that for, me, for her to kiss me. And then she said, mommy, do you know something? I said, what? <laughs> I love you more than you love me. Oh. I said, how do you know? She said, oh, that's what I think. I said, ah, based on what? Nine-year-old girl. You say, you love me more. Your love for me is more than my love for you. How do you measure and even as little children, as girls, they are more relational 
They get more upset in that area. My boys move on faster. So your affection is in that area. Your affection is in your children. And it is not wrong, but it can also be misplaced. So that when your children are growing up and they become teenagers, things that you never thought they would tell. You see, me, I told my mother that I believe with all my heart that I'm a stepchild. So when my daughter says, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's a seed. <laughs> I said, I believe that I'm a stepchild. And she just stopped what she was doing and said, why? I said, because anytime my sisters and I, everything you blame me, every time you are punishing me, you punish me over and above. And I was crying. And then my dad came from work and my mother told my father. My father called me and said, why do you say that? I said, because every time she's speaking, up, she's speaking on me, I'm the one she beats the most here. Always. I'm the one she's always correcting with some zeal. Then my father laughed and said, no, 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 she's your mother. You are not a stepchild. She's your mother. So just accept it from me. She's your mother. You don't have a mother anyway. Do you understand? But growing up, I learned that because I had other siblings who were not her children, she wanted to equalize. And in trying to equalize, I think that she overstepped her bound, which is something she says now. That she thinks that she was too, you know, but I'm sure that she also became disappointed as a mother. That as she had set her affection on me, I was also interpreting it in another way. Do you understand? So, everywhere you set your affection, there are problems there. And some of us set our affection on boyfriends. I am so surprised that the same game of Satan continues to work. And I continue to labor in that vineyard. You know? Some of the sisters will come and tell me, Mommy, everybody said our love was made in heaven. I thought that people have stopped saying such things. <laughs> so she cannot leave that unbeliever boy because everybody said, even when they see us, they say, oh, what's So even when we broke up, people were crying for us. Oh. <laughs> then I say to them, young lady, this very chair that you have sat in, more than 20 people have sat there. And they have said all the things that you have said. I could record it for you. But they don't believe it. No matter what I say, what, they do not believe you because their affection is set in that area. Sometimes against even contrary evidence contrary to it. It is just set. That is how it is. And I see them hurtling to a place that is not good. But I cannot stop them. You know, and Bishop will be telling me, so, so how are people thinking? Do they believe the preaching? Do they hear what we are saying? They don't hear. And nowadays, even people's affections are driving them to the church of God. I met a married man. I know him. And they said, give your neighbor an offering if your neighbor doesn't have an offering. He's a very wealthy man, so he took 50 Ghana cities and gave it to the lady to put in the offering bowl. And then, after the offering, when they were sitting down, he told me, at the back of the Kodesh, the lady was now rubbing his thighs. Hey, in the service. So, he told me, I told the lady, I'll report you to Sister Mami. I said, look, why should you even? And then he said, and when I spoke to her, she said, she works here. And now, she's bugging me with phone calls. Sister Mami, I said, how did she get your number? You men can be very foolish sometimes. How did she get your number? So, oh, 
when I gave the money to her and then she was happy. So we were just chatting and then I said, you are a married man. You are a married man. And you are giving her your number. Now you say she's worrying you and you are coming to tell me. I am sure she doesn't even know me in the church. But the affections for a relationship with a man by all means, maybe for security, for money, has driven her so much that she will do anything. At our last camp, a boy came. He was brought to the church by a sister. And then later, before he knew, he was in a deliverance session. The sister who brought him had slept with him. Her affections are set in another area. And some of us are like that. Our affections are set in the sexual area. And we will never let up. Come AIDS, come HIV, come gonorrhea, come syphilis. Our affection is set there. And I said, why do you go on like that? So he was giving a testimony that when the lady came, at a point God spoke to him that you cannot continue to sleep with this girl. You know, you are going on in your Christian life. You must do something about it. So he told the girl, I can't sleep with you anymore. And this girl is in high school, so she was away, boarding house or whatever. And then she came back. When he told her, she just laughed and said, really? Then she started to struggle with him like a demon, physically, and overcame him. And he flowed. And after that, she went away. He sent her a message again. Do not. Come, it's over. God says this is. So this time, when the girl came, he fought with the girl. And in the midst of it, he saw that the girl, even her eyes were changing. He said, what's your name? He said, ha, 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 the princess of darkness. It's on DVD or tape or whatever. The princess of darkness. You are not going to leave me today, nor leave me tomorrow. So it was a real struggle. But this time, he didn't give in. And then when the girl was going, he said that the girl turned. Her eyes were now green. And since then, she has left the church. So affections drive people. Somebody came and saw a pastor. I said that my main problem is down below. <laughs> a lady high standing in society. When you see her, you will not. My problem is down below. And the pastor told me, oh, I had gone to this place to start a church. So I thought I found a member. Everything I say, she obeys. Everything I say, she obeys. Then one day she said, oh, pastor, why don't you come to my house? So, that... so you know, brothers, who do baby It doesn't work. Do you understand? So he went. It's true life, so I know him. He went. And then the lady gave him water. So he was sitting in the room, waiting for her to come, the living room. Before he knew, stuck naked. So women, our affections, I want to sleep with you. I'm in love with you. I want you at all costs. It doesn't matter what, that is what is driving us. She started, said, mommy, even her underwear, she started to remove it. In the living room. And he said, oh, he got up and said, oh. Then the lady said, oh, <laughs> pastor, I've forgotten you are here. Oh. Usually, I change in the living room. I, I've forgotten. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Meanwhile, she had gone upstairs for her clothes and brought it down, but she said she forgot. And then after that, he continued to have the meeting with her. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. But you, dear, you are negotiating. 
So she said that my problems after that, he was praying once and he sent her a text. He said, oh, God has revealed something to you. Eh? My problem is actually down below. And then later he found that although she's so high ranking, she sleeps with the mighty, the low, the everything. Everything. Well educated, going somewhere to happen. Because she has set her affection in a certain area. And she will do down below. And she will do whatever to flow down below. You know? And then after some time, she sought audience with my husband and kept saying, I'm so touched by your message. I want, to, I, want, I want to bear fruit. I want to go all over the world. I wasn't there. My husband came to tell me, hey. Some spiritual over, spiritual sister came to my office. It was easy. I want to bear fruit. I want to do this. I want to work for God. I really want to do this. I really. Not knowing it was down below. So I'm saying that that affection, that strength, that drives you. You make a way. You want to do this. You want to see that man. You want to come back. You fight with the person physically. You... That is where your affection is. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And that's why the Bible says, set your affection because our affections are moving in different directions. And we are all in the church of God. We are in the church of God. We all say we are Christians. So I told my husband that, Actually, the Bible told us that there will come wolves among the sheep. But we are not expecting wolves. When we say, hey, are they in the church? How come? But we were told that there will come wolves among the sheep. It is a prophecy. So it's supposed to come to pass. So we are all sitting here, but we are not all sheep. Some of us are wolves. Set your affection. Set your affection. Sometimes people are looking for security and for somebody who will pay their debts. One lady came to see me. She's married to a pastor. She said that I have to confess to you that I didn't marry him because I loved him. But I married him because he was paying all my debts. In Ghana, they call them Chiakojo, Pace. He was paying all my debt, so he paid my debts, paid my auntie's debt, paid my mother's debt, paid. I didn't marry him because I was interested in it, and now I'm having problems. Because the whole foundation is not real. But her affection was insecurity. Somebody who would take care of me, do this, do that, do that. Set your affections. Set your And the fact that it tells us to set our affection means that it is within our power to do it. It didn't say pray that the Holy Ghost will set your affection. It didn't say call the pastor to help you set your affection. You set your affections. So your affections are in your hands. You have power over your affections. You have power over what drives you, your desires. And you can decide to set them. Set your affections. It means that if you are a Christian, your affections can be somewhere else. Because he was writing to believers. And he said, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. But you can be seeking like you are seeking. But I think he hated that. Look, when you set your affection, your treasure, your heart will just follow where you are going. Set your affections on things above. On things above. Hallelujah. 
and not on things below. What are the things below? Peter is below. John is below. Isibo, Isibo a male name? Sibo is a lady, okay. Mpo, Mpo is on earth. Your children are on earth. Finances are on earth. Set your affections on things above. So in order to know where to set our affections, we have to look for what is below and discount them. Because what is below cannot, cannot, cannot. Set your affections on things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand side of God. And not on things below. I like the Bible because when it says do this, it says but don't do this. Or don't do this, but do this. Set your affections. So the first thing you have to set is your affections. And it's not wrong to, of course. It even says the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands. You see, you thought that you will never be taught love. Love, it's not something you study or you teach. But in your love work, you get to a place where they actually have to teach you to love. Because that's... Uh, uh, I'm in love, sentimental infatuation. It's not love. It's not real. It has not been tested. And anything that has not been tested is not the real thing. It is when it has gone through the fire and it's still standing, then that is love. Hallelujah. So that's when people are not married and then they look and say, oh, these married people, they are not in love. Their love is better than your butterfly ones. Because your butterfly ones are not based on anything. Amen. Set your affections on things that are above. And the Bible says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven. And it gives us a reason why we shouldn't lay treasures on earth. It says that where moth or rust doth eat, or where uh, thieves break in and steal. These days when I watch the news, I'm glad that my affection is not in the world. Look at the recession. Look at floods in Australia. Look at floods in Brazil. Look at fire. Look at uh, uh, volcanic ash. Look at snow so that you cannot move. I said, how can such a system guarantee my life? It cannot. It's too wishy-washy. There's no foundation. And so the thieves are coming. The moth is coming. The rust is coming. The things don't last. People who bought so much, they bought shares, they bought equities, they bought whatever. It just comes crashing. You can't set your affection on such things. We need to see that the world and all its glory is passing away. I was telling Bishop that these days it looks like God wants to really flex his muscles. It's like in spite of our development, he wants to show us that the heavens do rule. The heavens do rule. So when you pass here, it passes here. So we have lost so many billions because of this snow. Now no flight can go. Volcanic ash. A British Airways is losing this much. This airline is losing this much. I said, so should that not turn your eyes to Jesus? Set your affection. No relationship is there that moth will not eat. Rust will not eat. And even thieves, thieves, sometimes even adulterous women will break in and steal. How can you build your life on such a wishy-washy foundation? And if, if, if thieves don't break in and steal, 
the Lord also calls people to glory. How can you build your life on things that are not permanent? And because of that, you are always sitting there, he must give me this, he must do this. He is incapable of. I once said that's like asking a man to give birth. He can't. Somebody called me, my husband this, my husband. I said that you have been knocking at this door. And the door that you said, we need to sit down. He needs to know my needs and listen to his needs. And then we need to reconcile. I said, you have knocked on this door. Can you not see that the door is not opening and things are getting worse? So turn your eyes and leave it to God. But she's just not able. She says, so, Sister Mami, are you saying that I should be unhappy all my life? I said, I'm saying that be unhappy for a season. Because when you have a husband who is like Pharaoh, his heart is hardened. Only a miracle will set you free. Only a miracle. Not your words. Your, it takes God to, to, to deal with a hardened, a person with a hardened heart. And sometimes he may not be generally hardened, but he may be hardened in an area. And then you are talking. You are saying, it won't change. It won't change. Set your affection on things above and not on things beneath. Lady, how do we set our affection? You just set it. You have to identify the area where your affection lies. Anything that you love too much is an idol. And sometimes you say, well, I don't love it too much. But anything that controls you too much, it controls your moods. You wake up in the morning and say, my husband didn't smile, so I'm sad. Hey, why should a human being control you so much? My husband once went somewhere, and when he came back, he said, look, the pastor's wife looks so depressed. It's not a lighthouse. She said that she's bent over like this. And I said, really? He said that you can see depression written all over her. And then when I got into counseling with them, they said that just the year before, they wanted to divorce. And the woman looks so, she comes alive only when she sings in the choir after that. So when she was talked to, she said, do you have a friend in the church? Nobody. Do you have a friend in another ministry who is your friend? I have nobody to talk to. My husband said, you see, you must invite her and have a women's session and then preach because I think she doesn't know certain truths and she's looking for some needs from the man and the, the, the ground is not yielding. What it should yield, and it is not well. But that's because she's knocking on that door. She's saying to the ground, Bring forth apple. And the ground is bringing forth other fruits. I said, No. I said, Bring forth apple. But it is God who gives the increase, not you. Set your affections. Amen. And when you set your affections right, it will also take undue pressure from our husbands. That they have to rise up and perform at a level that, look, his mother, his father never put his arms around the mother. He doesn't know this. He said, when we go, you must open the door for me. You must give me a peck. You must, you say, what? What egg? Not because he's wicked, but his exposure is totally different. And he doesn't, see, he doesn't even see what you are saying. And some of them will say, ah. But this is effeminate. I should be pecking, pecking you. It's effeminate because they never saw it in their home. 
All that they saw was beatings, kickings, and ignoring. Then now when you marry him, you want the ground to bring forth things that don't exist. Set your affection and do yourself a favor of de-stressing. Set your affection. Some of us, our affection is in childbearing. And whenever we come to child, because we don't have children, we can never live. It's true. It's heartbreaking. It's true. We should believe God with you. But if you are going to set your affection only in that area, you know, sometimes I've seen people adopt children. And then when they come later, they come and say, hey, this is my it's not easy. My sleep has been disrupted. <laughs> I can't plan any schedule. I mean, life has turned topsy-turvy, upside down. And I'm not able to, to live. Even work, I'm not able to function. I said, hey, that's how it is. Oh, you see them cute with ribbons and you don't know. Amen. I once met a lady, she had a slash on her eye. And she was selling something I was buying from her. And she said, Madam, I don't know whether having a child is good or not. Because I didn't have a child. I prayed, I prayed, I did everything. And now this is the child who has taken a cutlass. Cut my eye. Set your affection. Set your affection. Don't put all your hope in your children. They are man. They are flesh and blood. Amen. They will be good by the grace of God. They will be godly, but they cannot be everything. They cannot. Some mothers never live. Child, come here. You, come here. When there's daughter, you will never go. Oh, the children. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, you never live. And then when they go with their wives, they'll be saying, Mommy, you know, we've had quite a busy week and we're not able to see you and, and all the relationships we could have built because of them. You didn't build anything. Sometimes even to look nice. You can't look nice. Once in a while, give yourself a treat. Set your affection. Set your affection. Amen. We make children everything. And then after that, my mother says, like, children are guests in your house. After that, they just leave. And even when their friends come, you are calling them, oh, I was doing this with you. Oh, no, no, no. They rather, they prefer to go over there because they are moving on. And you, you are still staying at the same place. Set your affection. Parenting is not easy. When you have teenage children, it's not easy. You go through all sorts of things because their friends are now talking to them. They are now re-evaluating their values. And they tell you that you, you are old-fashioned. You belong to another generation. You are not seeing things their way. And are you going to set your affection on that? You must love your spouse, love your children, but you cannot set your affection on that. Even with God, you have to set your affection on God. Sometimes you can set your affection on the work of God and not on God. He doesn't hear from you. You don't have any relationship with him. You don't have any strength. You are not drawing from the roots. You are not drawing any new trends. You are just working, 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 working. And that's why when he came, he said, Depart from me. I know you not. The work knows you, but I don't know you. The work dead knows you, but me, I don't know you. Set your affection on things that are above and not on things below. Amen. If you won't set your affection, things will set you. Things will set you. Sometimes you set your affection on something and when it doesn't work, 
you become another case. Not only relationships, but something you are believing God for. It didn't happen. You have set your thing there. And it saps every strength out of you. Set your affection. Your husband may be godly, he may be anointed, but you can't set your affection on him. You have set it there and movable. That is it. It cannot be. Because sometimes he doesn't even understand you. And you two don't understand him. You say, they say that you meant that this. You say, I didn't mean that that. I have a whole sermon on misunderstanding. <laughs> Amen. Because that is the root of many marital quarrels. And then the, the other spouse is looking at her heart. That's not what I meant. So, but that's what you said. If you didn't mean what you said, that this, that, 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 that. And then so that you can't even balance yourself. It's like, that's it. You have to depend on God to fight for you. Set your affection. Those of you who are not married, set your affection. Not on the marriage that is coming on. Not on the wedding and the trappings. Set your affection in the right place. So that when your expectations are not met, you are still intact. Set your affection. Some of you have highfalutin, unrelated, unrealistic goals. The type of love you are looking for, it doesn't exist. And the type of beauty you are looking for, the beautiful ones are not yet born. Amen. When I talk to people, I want hip this. Up to now, they still say that. You have set your affection on the vital statistics of the lady. You have set your affection on the height of the man. Those things are not things to build on. Set your affection on things above. Because when you set your affection on things below, you will constantly be heartbroken. You will constantly be frustrated. You will constantly be distressed. You will constantly never be content or satisfied. Because you are looking for something. And before you know, Papa, Papa, Jesus is coming. Set your affection on things above and not on things below. Hallelujah. The second place to set your affection, to, to set something. I said four things that you must set in your life, isn't it? Psalm 16 verse 8. Psalm 16 verse 8. I have set the Lord before me, always before me. And I shall not. He's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Do you know why you are always moved? You have not set the Lord before you. You have set your problems before you. You have set your difficulties before you. You have set your temptations and trials before you. That's all you see. You have set what that person said about you. That's what you have set before you. You have set... Things that worry you, that's what you have said before you. But it's time to set the Lord before you. When you set your affection, you also set the Lord before you. You make him a fixture. When anything happens, that's all you see. I have set the Lord before me. And because he's at my right hand, I shall not. I shall not be moved. It's not that you have decided that you will not be moved. But when you set the Lord then you realize that you can't be moved. When you walk with the Lord for a while, you realize that things that used to bother you as a young woman, they don't bother you anymore. 
It's just that you wonder, ah, am, I, am I still normal? Am I okay? What has happened is you have matured in your work with God. And some things don't bother you. You see, one pastor's wife, she called me and said, my husband has threatened me with divorce, and now I don't care. Because everything that happens, I'll leave you. I'll divorce you. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do that. So this last time when he said, I'll divorce you, she said, do it quickly. <laughs> Whatsoever that has to do, do it quickly. <laughs> so every day threats. Every day I'm begging, oh, please, don't leave me. Oh, please. No. I decided to find my security in God. I've set the Lord before me. And I cannot be I said that it's true that you have matured, but now your own is now overboard. <laughs> Just that you are not moved. It's very bad. Try, try and be moved a little. So no. Every day threats, every day this. So I've put my life in order. If this, then this. If that, then that. If that, then that. She told me, I've even started to calculate Ali money. How, how much is it? So I called his consultant. I said, how much does he own here? How much does he own here? Okay, times this and that. I said, hey, it's not like that in Ghana. <laughs> I have set the Lord before me. And because he's at my right hand, I cannot be moved. When you set offenses before you, you will be moved by the wind. Anything that comes. He said this. They said that. They did this. They did that. Set the Lord before you. If I didn't have the grace from God to set the Lord before me, I would have resigned long ago. Long. Long. Not in the past or present continuous. I would have checked out long ago. But God has given me the grace to set him before me. So he's the one I see. He's the one I consult. Whenever something is happening and I feel emotionally, you know, I said, Lord, what is your perspective on this? What are you saying? And therefore, that continual setting of the Lord for God, so many winds of life will come to blow the Lord from you. And you will set your other things before you. But you must set the Lord before you. So that you will not be moved. Amen. Amen. Psalm 46. Verse 5. I have set the Lord always before me. And because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You have set your problem. Your predicament. That's all you think about. You are like That's all you live and you eat and you drink. and you. It's time to set the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Before you. Amen. Amen. Finding the lighting a bit poor. As well. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. You see, it starts by saying that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Though the mountains be removed and be cast into the sea, Though so many things happen, and then it comes to say, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. You must constantly, God has come to live in your life. But unless you set him before you, always, you will be moved. When the mountains move into the sea, will you not be moved? It's a phenomenon. You'll be frightened. You'll be wondering, what is happening? What is going on? But he says, in in the midst of all this, I have set the Lord in the midst, and therefore I shall not be moved. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her 
and that right early. What have you set before you? Amen. We're just going through quickly. So set the Lord before you. When you go through a trial, when you go through a difficult time, when you don't know what to do, set the Lord before you. Don't set man. Man is not in charge of your life. Man is just an instrument in God's hands. He says, I know the plans I have for you. He didn't say that man knows. Oh, why did he do this to me? And now, you know, how am I going to end up? We give man too much power over our lives. But it's actually God who is in control. So set the Lord before you so that you will not be moved. Amen. Sometimes I'm tempted to be moved. You know, to be moved. Because some people can be downright rude. But you just look, ah. But, I mean, we are all in the Christian church. Why do you, why do you just flex your muscles like that? I mean, I mean, why? You know, and then you say, I want to tell you a thing or two. But when you set the Lord before you, I shall not be moved. And when you are not moved, they will give up at a point because you are not moved. You do this, you say this, you are doing this, you are doing that. People say all sorts of things. And later they come. You have not asked them anything. They come as if some spirit has struck them. I say, Mommy, I'm very sorry. I want to confess that. I, said, I don't even know. Now that's what you have been saying or doing. I don't know. But when you set the Lord before you. In your times of loneliness, set the Lord before you. When you don't know what to do, set the Lord before you. So that you will not be moved. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. The third thing to set before you. The third thing to set is your heart and your soul. Your heart and your soul. Ezra chapter 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a scribe, skilled in the law of Moses. I can't see. <laughs> skilled in the law of Moses, which... This Ezra went up from Babylon. He was a ready scribe in the law of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Then verse 10. Ezra 7 verse 10. Are you there? For Ezra had prepared his heart. Another version said Ezra had set his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now remember that this Ezra was already a scribe. He was already skilled in the law of Moses and all that. But he still prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Now as I was going through the Pauline letters, I saw that Paul would say that, I have read of you, your faith, that you stand firm, that you do this, and that for this reason, I stand in prayer for you. So he doesn't pray for them because they have a problem. He prays for them because they are doing well. And he prays for them because they are going on to know the Lord at a higher level. So Ezra is a scribe, all right. But he still set his heart to seek the law of the Lord. When you read Philippians, Paul says it. I hear that you come behind in no gift for this reason. When I bow my knees, I remember you before God. I hear that your love for the saints is unparalleled. For this reason, I keep on praying for you. But we Christians, we pray for people only when they have problems. But the time at which you must pray for people is when God lifts them up and they are doing well. 
For in the book of Acts, when the wind blew gently, they thought that everything was going to be okay. And rather, a storm from somewhere. So when you see somebody doing well, don't say, oh, he's doing well, all sufficient, he's okay. That's when the person needs your prayer. Hallelujah. So Ezra was a scribe. He was already skilled in the law of Moses, but still, he set his heart. He set his heart. One thing you must do is to set your heart, because your heart, eh, it will go through so many changes. Hey, you won't believe that it's your heart. That's what the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You will be okay. And then something will come. And then you will find out that there are things in your heart you never knew existed. You will think, oh, I'm incapable of envy. But you, you haven't reached the right test yet. Oh, I'm incapable of jealousy. Your heart will reveal something to you. You will never believe it. You say, is this in my heart? And sometimes even when somebody has done something, oh me, I'm forgiving, I don't care, I don't this, I don't, but when you hear the person's name, it should reveal to you that your heart is not set. Your heart is not set. Every trial shows what's in your heart. Every temptation shows what is in your heart that you don't know about. Sometimes pride is lifted in your heart. You think you are the humblest on earth. You know, yesterday I was listening to the radio in Ghana, helpless of your joy. It's like a Christian dating, whatever, run by yours truly, uh, uh, Prophet Fabian. So they write, I'm fair in complexion. I'm 28 years old. My favorite food is this. I love to do this. I'm looking for a man this age with this stature. It's read on radio. And then they come and meet at the Sweet Melody's place. And Pastor Fabian will be telling me. Sometimes the men will hear on the radio and pick. So when they meet, say, no, this is not what. This is not what. I was looking for. And the ladies will also say, no. The description I thought, this is not what. But people will be so fair complexion, this, that, you know? All sorts of things. Why did I even get into that? But, yeah. So you don't even know what is in your heart. But when you start to even choose a spouse, you get to know what's in your heart. That your heart is filled with lust you didn't know. Your heart is filled with things that don't make sense, but you don't even know. It takes often a trial to show you where you really are and who you really are. So Ezra set his heart. If you don't set it, it will set your heart for you. Circumstances will set your heart for you. Issues will set your heart for you. And somebody told me, you know, when I, I became a Christian, I thought that since I've come into the church, this will be the greatest place to be. But I have been wounded more in the church than even in the corporate world that I came from. I never knew that it would be like that. I never knew there was politics in the church. But biting and fighting, I never knew. I said, well, in the midst of all that, what type of heart will you have? And Ezra set his heart to seek the law of the Lord. You, you are, you, you've set your heart to seek other things, frivolous and foolish things that don't bring anything. But Ezra set his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And to practice it. That's what the NASB says. And to practice it. So it's not just setting your heart to seek the law, but to do it. And the church is filled with non-doers of the word. We don't do the word. We don't have fruits of the spirit. We have gifts of the spirit. But we don't have fruits. At all. 
There are no fruits. We just manifest. We lie when we want to lie. We, I mean, we just, there's no fruit. Self-control, from where? Gentleness, goodness. From where? Goodness. He set his heart to seek the law. And you must set your heart also to practice. To practice. To do. He sets his heart not only to seek the law, but to do. And God says that some people are hearers, but they are not doers. It's time to start doing. Because you will be blessed in your doing. And then after doing it, and to teach it. Some of us are too self-centered. Everything God does in our lives is just us. You never share a testimony. You never tell people how the Lord has brought you through. You never tell us about your battles. It's like you there, you appeared from space and uh, you, you are just so okay. But Ezra taught it. He taught it. He sought it. He practiced it. And then he taught it. You must also impact, so set your heart to also teach it. No, so I'm not called to be a pastor. Paul says in a time when you ought to be teachers. He wasn't talking to pastors or apostles or evangelists. Or, but there are things that you can teach. Some of you in the church, you teach only bad things. Yes. One pastor's wife called me and said, I want to remove some uh, marriage counselor. Because she's teaching uh, of bad counsel. Bad things of the point. She's not going by the manual. She's teaching her experiences. Set your heart to teach what the Lord has done. To teach how far he has brought you. To help somebody walk in his walk with the Lord. Set your heart to do that. Set your heart to do that. It's not just knowing the word. Must know verses. No. Set your heart to be a doer of God's word. When God says do this, I mean... The church has become like some social club. To do it and to teach it in Israel. Statutes and judgments. He expanded his horizon. Not just myself. I've, I've set myself to do this, to do this. He expanded his horizon. Hallelujah. Amen. Lastly, Isaiah 38 verse 1. Isaiah 38 verse 1. So you must set your affections. You must set the Lord before you. You must set your heart to seek the Lord, to practice what you read, and to teach it. And then you must set your house in order. Amen. Set your house. Try. God will give you grace. Set your house in order. I don't want to have a daughter meeting where I didn't tell people about salvation or give the opportunity for them to give their lives to Christ. Because if something suddenly happens to them or the Lord calls them home or whatever, and then they go not having known him, then what is the point? Amen. Amen. So we need to set our house in order. Because you don't know when the Lord will call you. And I'm preaching that because of the pastoral things I'm coming across now. You see, the reason why they say life begins at 40 is because by 40, you start to see things you never knew existed. In those days, Hezekiah, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. 
And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. If there's anything we are sure about, it's death. Death is so certain and so final. And nowadays, I come across things that I wish I wouldn't come across. Young people with terminal diseases. And then you are the pastor. You have to talk to them, minister to them, pray for them. And I just also have to add to them that it's true we are believing God for healing and all that, but set your house in order. Because I've come to see since life began at 40 that unexpected things do happen. What is your house? Jesus said when the evil spirits leave, the house is swept and garnished and all that. Then, When it's not filled with anything, the evil spirit goes and brings seven more cousins worse than himself and they come to live there. He also said that when you build your house on the rock, the rain may come, but it will stay. So your house is your life. And when he says set your life in order, don't live as if this is the only place where we are. Don't live as if you don't have a God that you are accountable to. Don't live as if life is just fashion, looking nice, moving here and moving there, busy about nothing, doing things that bring no profit. Set your house in order. For I've come to say as a pastor that we are not always prepared when the Lord calls us. So in our daily walk with God, set your house in order. Nowadays, we, uh, Christians don't even have sessions of repentance. When we join scripture union, adoration, acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Acts. But now when you come, you come with your fornication and you are just moving. You don't feel bad about anything. There's no conviction because the Holy Spirit, which is going to convict you, you have sucked him from your life long ago. Set your house in order. You are in the church, your foot is outside. You are in the church, you are worldly. You are in the church, you are not committed. You are in the church, but you have another personality that we don't know. You see, like Bishop said, when he went to the prison to preach, there were lighthouse members there shouting, mercy, forgive. <laughs> and when I went to the prison one of the days, there was a nice gentleman there, and the people said, this gentleman is very good. He's our Joseph. He's the prefect of the prison. He's doing so well, and he's from lighthouse. <laughs> so I said, how come? How come you are here for murder? So, Lady Reverend, I went to this drinking bar, and then at midnight there was a scaffold, and then I rather separated them and went home, and then the next morning the guy was dead in the gutter, and they said I was the last person to handle him, so whatever, whatever, and his case had not even gone to court, and yet they have put him in jail, I mean, against the law, but they just, he's just there. He hasn't been arraigned before any court, but he's there. And I said, but as a Christian, what were you doing at the drinking bar after midnight? What, what, what did you go and do there? Set your house in order. Set your house in order. For you don't know when, we may not know when, we may not know how. He's going to come. Amen. If you are a Christian, be a Christian. If you are a lighthouse member, be a lighthouse member. But this Sunday, you are an angel's delight. The next time, you are on heaven highway. The next time, you are here. Set your house in order. Your life is not in order. You need to set it 2011. 
It's a wake-up call from the Lord. And the Lord was telling me, you must hammer on this point. They must set their houses in order. I don't know why. Even I became frightened. Set your house in order. Your life. Do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian? Not that you are perfect, but you have the fear of God. You love him. You are striving to live like he wants you to live. But you go here, you sleep with this girl, this boyfriend, this, this, and then you come and lead praise and worship. You stand on the altar with no shame. And some of you, you are even sleeping amongst yourselves in the church. Set your house in order. Because you bring unto yourself things that you should not bring into, unto yourself. Look, God is not against pleasure. God says that you can have pleasure, but within the right parameters. That's all he's saying. God is not saying, don't have a boyfriend, don't be happy, don't do this. Don't. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that marry so that the love will be expressed in that context. And not only will it save your life, you will also be blessed. Set your house in order. So this evening, the Lord is calling us to set our affections, to set the Lord always before us, to set our heart to seek his Lord, to do it and to teach it, and to set our houses in order. Stand to your feet, please. To be pleasing you, pleasing you, this is all I really want to do, oh, to be this song from your heart pleasing you oh this is all I really want to do to be pleasing you oh every eye closed talk to the Lord as you sing this song this is all I really in the right place. Begin to talk to God and turn the dial. Begin to reposition your affections in the right place. For 2011, to be pleasing you, to be pleasing you, cry unto him. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Realign your affections. For some of you, the Lord is saying, set your house in order. Talk to God and mean it with all your heart. Confess your sins and repent and allow God to reach you. For those of you in bondage to worry and anxiety, set the Lord always before you. You will not be moved.
set our affections aright, set our hearts aright, help us set our houses in order, and Lord, set our souls also to follow you. And above all, may you always be set before us so that we will not be moved. Hallelujah. Every eye closed, every head bowed. To be pleased. You are here tonight. You know that your house is not in order. You know that you need to give your life to Christ and perhaps give it to him again. The Lord is reaching out to you. Every eye closed and every head bowed. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to set my house in order tonight. I want to mean business with God. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I want to set things straight. You are here like that wherever you are. Put up your hands and I'll pray with you wherever you may be standing. You may even be in the church, but you realize that you need to put your house in order. Just let that hand go up. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. The Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is reaching out to you, not in judgment or condemnation, but in love. God bless you. I see your hands. Let it go right up. Let it go right up. And if you put up your hands, come forward to where I am. Give me the honor of leading you to Christ. Come. Come. Come to the throne of grace. You will find mercy. You will find grace to help. Come. You lifted up your hands. Come. I saw some hands go up. Come and give your life to Christ. Come to Jesus. Oh. This is what I really want to 
after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me with your blood and receive me into your family. Father, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the dead that I may have eternal life. I thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you that I'm born again from tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.